Happy Mother's Day, church. <clears throat> we hope you're having a blessed day today, a blessed Lord's Day, and a happy Mother's Day to our mothers and our godly women in our church. As we like to say, <clears throat> godly women are a blessing. I wanted to read uh, out of Luke chapter 1 today. It's often what we use for the Christmas story, but here uh, we see a woman who's getting ready to be a mother, a mother of God's own son. Now, I've entitled this Marvelous Marks of a godly woman, or a marvelous marks for a mother. And so we begin in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Then the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at, her, at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and we call the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his, of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. We see here a lot of things about the marks of a marvelous mother. As we start, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer and, and remind you of a couple of things. Father, thank you for today. Uh, bless the mothers of our church. Bless the godly women of our church who've helped raise others' uh, children and influence generations. And Father, I just ask you'll guide us in your truth today and that your word will go forth uh, in power, uh, Lord, and it will bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember that on May 24th at 10 a.m., tentatively, if plans don't change, if we don't go back to being uh, told to shelter in place that we're going to have a worship service on uh, the parking lot behind the uh, Family Life Center, okay, uh, right over here behind the church on the parking lot. And so remember that and make plans now to attend and remember to you know, look at the guidelines for attendance and what we expect. When I look at this, I, I think of what are the marks of a marvelous mother. Most of us had wonderful mothers. And most of us uh, can never repay them for the influence they've had on our lives. John Quincy Adams said about his mother, All that I am, my mother made me to be. Abraham Lincoln said, All that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Napoleon said, Let France have good mothers, and she will have good sons. Dwight L. Moody, the great evangelist, said about his mother, all that I've accomplished in life, I owe to my mother. George Washington, our first president, 
said that his mother taught him the biblical ideals of political and social morality, which Washington kept before the nation throughout his life. He said that the scriptures were, were read daily in his home at his childhood, and family prayers were offered twice daily. We need to understand that mothers come in all shapes, all sizes, all ages, and they're all beautiful, all right? And we owe a debt we can't pay. But what I want us to know is that God blesses the uprightness of his children. God blesses the uprightness of his children. We need to understand that whether you're a mother or not, if you're a child of God, man or woman, God blesses uprightness. And the things I mentioned today specifically are in praise to mothers. But you need to understand, men and ladies, that we all as Christians can apply these values to our lives to make marvelous marks for the kingdom of God. The first thing I see is in these first verses I read, and that is notice the character. By that, I mean notice Mary's character. It says, beginning in verse 26 and going through verse 33, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall be called Jesus. He will be great, and we call the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. As I said, the first thing we notice about Mary is her character. You see, there's a bewildering announcement. It's sort of a bomb going off in Mary's life. Here's an angel, okay? We're told later that in the sixth month or earlier than the sixth month of her her cousin Elizabeth's pregnancy, who'd been barren for years and years, that then the angel comes, a specific angel, Gabriel, to make the announcement that the Messiah was to be born and she was to be the Messiah's mother. Oh, my goodness. You see, he said, bless are you among women. You've been chosen of God. God's grace, God's favor is on you. And what is that favor? Your world's going to be turned upside down. You've never known a man. You're a virgin, but you're going to have a baby. It's sort of unbelievable. It's a bewildering announcement. But what I see here in her character is her response to that. It is it is. An attitude that's really the best attitude. See, she's found grace. She's blessed among women. She's been chosen of God. And she is pondering and puzzling what these things might mean. We know later in the account that that uh, the brief encounter that uh, we see Mary saying, let it be done to your handmaiden, your slave. But from 
seeing how they describe Mary, there's some things we can gather about her character. First, she was pure. She was a virgin. Okay, uh, Evidently, she was righteous because she said, highly favored one. Why would God pick her? Because evidently, she had faith. Evidently, she was obedient. Evidently, she was a, a believer. She was pure. And from verse 29, I know she was humble. Let it be done to me as you have said. I'm your handmaiden. I'm your slave. What an attitude to possess when your world is rocked. What an attitude when the responsibility is heavy. Uh, Mary is a teenager at this time. Uh, Most scholars think she's a young teenager. That's the age most Jewish girls got married or betrothed. And she is going to be given the responsibility, think about it, to be the parent of the Messiah, God's son, God anointed, the long-awaited one to deliver Israel. And yet, in humble obedience, let it be done to me. So she didn't try to run. She didn't try to back up. You see, she just surrendered to God. What about us? You see, what what, what what does that mean to us? You know, what did our mothers instill upon us in as far as character and as far as examples? And you see, it, it's sort of like uh, Winfred Grenfell was a, a missionary. Uh, and he was a missionary doctor. And he wrote a little book called What Christ Means to Me. And on the sixth page, he wrote these words. Christ meant a mother who brought me up right just by doing daily what he would do in her place. Can we relate to that? Are we doing what Christ would have us do daily in his place because our children or our grandchildren are on loan to us or the the children that God brings into our church, the ones he blesses us with. We may be the only Christian witness they get, the only Christian love they receive, the only Christian instruction that they hear about is from Gasol Baptist Church. And our character should shine through loving like Jesus, being like Jesus, uh, doing what Jesus would do If he were here, and he is because he resides in us, do we have the courage to do that? It took a lot of courage for Mary to just simply surrender and say, God, let your will be done. Let it be as you have said. You see, it's not by our power, but it's by God's will that these things happen. It's by her faith in God and her obedience to him that she surrendered. When God has something special for you to do, and I want you to understand something, anything God has for us to do is special because God is special. And God wants us to realize how special we are in His kingdom plans that He has specific things for you and for me to do. And are we willing to surrender? Do we run? Do we fight? Do we grouse? Or do we humbly, faithfully bow? What is our character like? Are we a true follower? Are we obedient? Do we practice chastity? Do we do the things that are courageous for God? Mary did, and we need to also. Then I don't just see uh, the character 
I want you to notice her consideration, her trust, if you will. Look at verses 34 through 38 with me. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Her consideration. Her consideration has to be, how can all this be possible? How, I've never known a man. Well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The uh, power of the highest, God Almighty, is going to overshadow you. And you will bring forth a son. You see, it's God's power bringing forth a new creation, a new man, a new Adam, as Paul says. And she will learn by faith that with God, nothing is impossible. Think about it. They have to go all the way to Bethlehem to fulfill Scripture for the Messiah to be born. No place for them, but they found some kind of place. And she laid her firstborn in swaddling clothes in a manger. God provided nothing would be impossible. Then they were warned Joseph was in a divine dream to flee to Egypt because Herod would seek to kill the Messiah, her son, her only son at this point. And how are they going to get there? How are they going to afford this? But the wise men, the magi, have visited and left gold and frankincense and myrrh, enough they can sell and live until God calls them back, and he does, to Nazareth, where Jesus will be called the Nazarene fulfillment of Scripture. With God, nothing is impossible. And she's courageous enough to surrender her life to be a slave of God. I've mentioned that. You see, a slave of the Lord. Here's what that means. She knew God knew best. She knew God's word was the best for her life. And in obedience, she surrenders to his will. She had other plans. She had other dreams. So did Joseph. But they surrender to the will of God, to the word of God, because God's word is always best for our life. God's plans always make us the happiest. God's will is something that is glorious as he works his kingdom work through sinful men and women to accomplish his goals and bring glory to himself so that all the world may know that he is God. He will be lifted up. He will be magnified. He deserves to be praised. That's what our consideration needs to be. To simply thank him and trust him enough to say, your will be done. Now, Mary could have said, no way. She could have been unbelieving and said, ah, that ain't going to happen. You see, the difficulty of unbelief is that it keeps you from believing. Belief opens the door. Where love and trust 
enter. Mary loved God and trusted God and faith entered and trust entered. And she believed God and surrendered her life to be a slave of God. Do we have that kind of faithfulness just to say, your word is best for my life. Your will will bless my life the most. I may not understand everything that happens, but I know if I'm in the center of your will, I'll find eternal peace in the midst of my circumstances. Do we surrender in obedience? Even on a Mother's Day, some listening to me today have not been obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've heard about Jesus. You know he was born of a virgin. You know that he lived a perfect life. You know that he died on that cross. You know he was buried. You know he was raised up on the third day. Yet you have refused to surrender and believe in him. And to believe doesn't just mean a head knowledge. It means a humble surrender where you say, I am a sinner. Only you can forgive my sins. Come into my life and forgive my sins. I place my faith and trust in you and you alone. And you accept Christ to be the Lord and Savior, the boss of your life. As I have done and many others. And you need to get that straight. You need to consider the alternative, living your own life, your own way, and trying to pay the price for your own sins that only Jesus could pay and did pay for you and for me. So we see the character, we see the consideration, but I also see, notice her commendation. I didn't say condemnation, I said commendation. You might say her her praise. Her praise shows up when she goes to see Elizabeth. She goes to see Elizabeth, and in verse 46, she starts singing God's praises. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in the God of my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant. And as henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly, filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. See, it's her commendation. Her commendation is her praise. Uh, See, Mary goes to see her cousin. She breaks out in heartfelt praise, commendation to God, wants everybody to know who this God is. Praise to the one who deserves it. In the midst of this difficult circumstance, In the midst of all that is going, she can see God's eternal plan coming just as the prophet said it would, that the Messiah was going to be born and there would be one who would be his forerunner, the babe. John would be his name who leaped in his mother Elizabeth's womb as soon as Mary came in and said something. Then she didn't just praise. In her praise, she remembered God's promises. You see, when you read this section of Scripture, there are six heirs tenses. It means it's an action that took place in the past, but it's 
consequences. Its, its actions are ongoing. They, they have already happened. They are done deal in God's mind. You see, she is talking about God's acts in the past, but also in the present, praising him for the prophetic future as she sees her son being the Messiah, the Savior of the world. I don't think she knew everything that that meant. They had a skewed view of who the Messiah was supposed to be. She just knew that God had sent the Messiah and had kept his word, and it was going to be her son, and she was to call his name Jesus. And so she starts praising God and recounting his promises. You see, we need to ask ourselves, do we do that? Do we break out in praise and hope that honor and pray for honor to be given. You see, do we, do we pray that God will gain honor through our lowly lives? Do we thank Him that He works through us? He doesn't just pick those that are rich or famous or uh, super intelligent or super wealthy or, or whatever you put it, famous, or I've said those things. But, but He uses everyday people in everyday ways to accomplish His purposes. That means you and I can do this. We can do what God has called us to do. Many of you have heard of Jerry Joni Erickson Tata. Uh, we realize that she's in that wheelchair. A lot of people have forgotten that that was she's a quadriplegic. She was paralyzed from a diving accident in Chesapeake Bay. And at first, after that happened, uh, she was very bitter towards God and blamed God for all of her problems. But through the power of prayer and Bible study, uh, her life took on a new meaning. She's now an accomplished artist, and she paints by holding the paintbrush between her teeth and paints. And at the end of each of her paintings, she signs her, her name, Joni. And underneath that, she puts the letters PTL. She does that for a witness opportunity because inevitably somebody's looking at the paintings and maybe wants to buy one or ask what they mean, but they always ask, what does PTL mean? And she says it means praise the Lord. And she's able to share her faith and all that God has done for her and how he has blessed her life and used her and opened doors for her that she never would have imagined would be opened in her life. All because she's paralyzed from the neck down. Now that is a testimony. It's a testimony to the grace of God. It's a testimony that he deserves praise in the midst of our troubling circumstances. And so she's an example, Mary is, to the kind of person that God uses because he uses the uprightness of his children. He uses our character. He, he, he uses us as we praise his name. He, he uses us. As we consider all he has done, he uses us as we commit to him. Are you willing to commit today to God using your life any way he sees fit today? Would you surrender to that? He sees fit to save you today, first of all, and you need to surrender to salvation. Some need to say, I rededicate my heart to him today. When we meet again, some will want to join the church. But mothers fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers, those who work with children. Maybe you don't have any, but you work with them. Will you make a commitment today that you ask God to let his character shine through you? Will you make a commitment today that you'll trust him more fully and obey him? 
Will you make a commitment today to praise Him in word and deed in all the circumstances of your life? I hope you'll do that. I'm going to lead us in word of prayer, and we're done for today. Father God, thank you for godly mothers. So many uh, that influenced my life, my own mother, my Sunday school teachers, my uh, ladies who prayed for me when I was a young person, the ladies who continued to pray for me as I surrendered to the ministry, even the ladies of this church who give me encouragement, let me know that every day I'm prayed for. Father, for my own wife who is a mother and sets a grandmother and sets an example for me to try to live better, I thank you for her. Father, bless us today. Bless our mothers today and our godly women today. And Father, we give you praise for them and the example they are of how Christ ministers to us. Just bless us as we go forth in Christ's name. Amen. Church, be careful. Remember May 24th, tentatively, if things don't change, if everything goes as planned, that will be in our service. You'll find out more about that later. Have a good day. God bless you. Some glad morning when this life is over, flowing to our home on God's celestial shore. Church, Ronnie Thomas, song man, longtime member of Gaspel Baptist and a member of the deacon body here at Gaspel Baptist Church. I would like to take this opportunity to, as one member of Gaspel Baptist to say a special thank you to several people who have gone beyond their regular duties to the church during our uh, recent absence from our regular church services. First, Brother Gary, our pastor and spiritual leader for his Sunday and Wednesday messages and for his wisdom and guidance. Now we have a custom here at Gospel Baptist when Brother Galen used to come to the pulpit to do the announcements, we would say, we welcome Brother Galen. Now I want you out there in Cyberland to say with me, together now, Thank you, Brother Gary, for your wisdom and your guidance. Second, to Brother Galen, our youth pastor and computer whiz, for his Wednesday night messages to the youth and the Sunday messages 
that he filled in for Brother Gary. Without his computer skills, none of these presentations would have been possible. Now, members out there in Cyberland together now say, thank you, Brother Galen. Third, to Stephanie, our church secretary, for all her extra time and effort to make the church run smoothly in this time of change, for her help with Karen in applying for and getting the small business loan to help the church during this time. Together now, church, thank you, Stephanie. Finally, I wanna thank all the members for their faithful giving, continual prayers, and your ability to see a need and meeting that need, such as making a mask, over 2,000 made and given out, mowing and spraying of the church property, repairing a broken equipment, checking on all kinds of church members, both the deacons and other members, and by showing others that Christ lives in you. As a word of encouragement, I want to share a word of scripture with you today from the book of Ephe or from the book of Galatians, beginning with verse uh, chapter six, beginning with verse nine. Brother Gary teaches us here at Gaspel Baptist on a regular basis that all scripture has past application, present application, and future application. What I find endearing about these verses of scripture is the same applies to my life with these scriptures. There is always a past application, a present application, and I rest assured that there will be a future application. Let me share this with you and make just a comment or two about how special this scripture is to me. Paul is teaching here to the church at Galatians and he says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint or lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Members, trust me, this time shall pass and we will overcome if we faint not. Finally, I would like to say, God bless you and may God keep you in his safe arms. Goodbye, church. I'll tell the world that I'm a Christian. I'm not ashamed. His name to bear. I'll tell the world that I'm a Christian. I'll take him with me anywhere. I'll tell the world how Jesus saved me and how he gave me a life brand new. And I know that if you trust him, that all he gave me, he'll give to you. I'll tell the world that he's my Savior. No other one could love me so. 
Christian, 